0: Welcome to the Tanakh podcast and a Gmar Khatima Tova. Today, one of the most dramatic chapters in Yirmiyahu, Perak Chavav, chapter 26. Today's chapter may well be called The Trial of Yirmiyahu. Jeremiah is sent to the temple itself as all the people of Yehudah flock to the Beit HaShem, to the Beit HaMikdash, and he gives the prophecy, probably the same prophecy that we read in chapter 7, where he said, all of you say, Hei Chal HaShem, hey, chal HaShem hey, Hema, You all think the temple will never be destroyed. Well, he says, I've got news for you. I'm going to turn this house into uh, the same as Shiloh. It's going to be destroyed just like the Mishkan was destroyed in Shiloh. And this city is going to be overturned. And we read it here in our chapter in Pasuk Zion that the people who hear him, the priests, the Kohanim and the Nevi'im, the Ha'am, when they all hear his, him speaking this, 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 this in this language, they turn around and they say, Mot tamut, you will die. Why did you sort of blaspheme God's name and say in the name of God that this house will be like Shiloh and this city will be destroyed until no one will live in it? You've got to imagine that, first of all, Yimmiyahu is already an established prophet, and here he's talking in the name of God and imagine you're standing in a national institution in the capital in the uh, in the in the knesset and you're preaching that this own house will be destroyed that the city will will be ruined these are turbulent times these are tense times this is the first year of jehoiakim a new king and here we the the impression maybe let me add that the naviim themselves are most probably on the royal payroll. The Naviim are employees of the king. They are like, if we can give an equivalent, maybe in Egyptian terms, they are there in order to boost and back royalty. And therefore the priests and the royalty turn around and say, this is treason. You have to be put to death. And now we're going to see some other groups suddenly Verse ten. There's clearly a big, big commotion. So much so that Sarayhudah, government ministers, come from the royal compound into the temple. And meanwhile, the priests and the prophets are all saying, "This guy has to die." Have you heard what he says? And this is when Yirmiyahu speaks and clearly makes a deep impression on. On the cabinet, on the government ministers. He says, I didn't make it up. I'm not a politician. I'm not being paid. I'm not a political puppet. God sent me to say these things change your ways change your actions and if you only listen to god oh you can avert this tragedy you can avert this calamity just you have to act differently do to me what you want but you should know that you are killing an innocent man because in truth, Hashem really sent me. So you've got the priests and the and the prophets on one side. It seems like at the beginning, it is that the people are on their side. And now you've got the officers of the government. And suddenly, And what happens is that the officers and the people say to the prophets and priests and say, don't kill him. We really believe him. He's convinced us that. Um, that he's really speaking truth. So here we see a remarkable scene in which we've got two sides. They're listening to him and they're convinced. And now I want to make two further points. Two further points of the, you know, around this story. Footnote number one is going to be about the man who saved Jeremiah. It tells us in Pasuk Haftal at verse 24, <speaking in Hebrew> That Achikam ben Shafan saved Jeremiah, And that comes on the back of what you read in verse 20 to 23, that there was another prophet at the time, Uriah ben Shmayahu, who said similar things to Jeremiah. And when the king got wind of it, when Yehoiakim got wind of it, he indeed sentenced him to death. So much so that this Uriah ben Shemayahu had to leave the country. He ran away to Egypt and Yehoiakim had agents sent to bring him back and execute him in Jerusalem. Now we understand that this threat is a real and present danger. Yermiyahu's life is imperiled. And it was because of this Achikam ben Shafan that he is not given over to the mob. He's not given over to the people to die. Now, who is this Achikam ben Shafan? Well, his father, Shafan, was the Sofer HaMelech, was the secretary of the king, who was the first one to find, uh, to discover the Sefer Torah in the famous story of Yoshio, of King Josiah, finding the Sefer Torah, the Torah scroll, which led to his tshuva his experience of tshuva. And it seems like in that very scene, it was the same Achikam ben Shafan who was sent to um, the prophetess to find out what what the, what the God's word was. So clearly when he hears Yim Yahu talking, he says, this rings a bell. I've heard these messages before. Achikam ben Shafan has had experience with authentic prophecy. His brother, Gemari ben Shafan, we're going to see in chapter 36, is once again going to be the person to deliver Yumiyahu's messages to the king and interestingly enough if this man's name is achikam ben shafan well we've probably heard of somebody called Gedaliah ben achikam gedalia ben achikam later becomes the governor of the country so this is quite an amazing family shafan his son achikam another son Gomariah. By the way a few years ago in ir david in the city of david excavations they found a seal and on it was said the name gemariyahu ben shafan this is somebody who's we who literally have his seal his authentic seal this these were government officials and these were the people who saved uh Yir-Miyahu. so clearly there are people in high places who How should I say it? They have Yerom Yahu's back. They are sponsoring him. They believe him. They trust him. They see him as authentic. Um, Later in chapter 36, we'll find out what the king thinks. But the second thing that I want to point out is um, an amazing line in Pasuk Yud Zayin Yud Chet Yud Tet. It says, Some of the elders turn round to the group and they say, You know what? We remember a time 150 years ago, maybe 120 years ago, when um, Micha, Micha, the prophet Micha was in Jerusalem. And this was the time of King Chizkiyahu. And at the time, he said, Jerusalem is going to be plowed over and the Temple Mount is going to just become a ruin. He said, what did King Hezekiah do at that time? Did he did he kill him? Instead, what did he do? He pleaded with God. He prayed to God that God should revert his decision. In other words, the temple has to be a place where, shall I put it in a modern term, when we allow free speech, where we allow people to talk truth to power, where we allow prophets to talk freely, because if we don't allow people to criticize our society, we will never be able to shape up. We will never know. We've got to allow prophets to speak here. This is what Pasuk Yudzayin, the Ziknei Haaretz say. They say, do you remember in Chizkiyahu's time? Micha said very unpopular things. He even said that this place is going to be destroyed, but no one killed him. Therefore, we have to allow prophets to speak freely. You have to be able to take your impression from even unwelcome messages and allow yourself to digest those messages, allow the authorities to hear them, allow the king to hear them, and maybe the king will indeed lead a process of tshuva, just like Chizkiyahu did, just like Yoshiyahu did. And that's just a really, really powerful message and a powerful scene that we have here in in our history, in our tradition, that we have people at this moment where Yerum almost gets lynched. Not only does he have royal backers and people who Really listen to his words and are able to feel his sincerity. But there are people who look back to prophetic history and say that Judaism has always been a religion which has allowed people to speak in the name of God and to allow that message to resonate. Because maybe, maybe then we'll be able to do teshuvah. And that seems a very appropriate message uh, to be saying on Erav Yom Kippur. Shana Tova, Tova. And he tried.